0: Welcome to PS, the Puget Sound podcast, where we're talking with members of our campus community about their Puget Sound experiences. I'm Elena Becker, and my guest today is Sophie Vasquez, a junior from Atizapán de Zaragoza, Mexico. Today, as always, the Puget Sound podcast is recorded and produced right here in Tacoma by Moonyard Studio. Here's Sophie. Sophie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm very happy to have you. I want to start way back at the beginning. I'm going to ask you to think back through your time at Puget Sound and have you start by telling us how you ended up here. What was your college search process like and what brought you to Puget Sound? Yeah. um,
1: So I went to boarding school in Illinois in a server like 30 minutes north of Chicago. And my coach counselor was actually my dorm parents. So she knew me before I was assigned to her. And so during our first meeting, she was like, oh, I found this school that's great for you. And then it was Puget Sound. So her only recommendation for me during that meeting without knowing what <laughs> I wanted in the college was Puget Sound. Um, and then later that day, I received an email from Chris Meyer, which is a swim coach asking me to swim in college uh, for Puget Sound. And I was like, that's cool. Um, so then I looked into it and it was in my top three and um, I came for an open house, but I messed up the dates. The open house was supposed to be on Friday, but I thought it was Saturday. So then I emailed my admissions counselor and I was like, hey, so I traveled here from Chicago and I messed up the dates and he was super nice. He gave me a tour himself and then he also contacted the um, Chris Meyer and let me have an interview with him. And it was just such a pleasant experience. Like, students would jump in the tour and, like, tell me their experiences or be like, oh, no, this is not what's happening anymore. It's these other things. So that was very nice. Um, Yeah, and then that actually turned into one of the only college uh, visits I did. Um, At the airport, my parents were like, you know you're going to end up here, right? And I was like, oh, I don't know. Being a difficult teenager, like, I'm going to look around. But, yeah, it was just I really liked it when I visited
0: and at that point where you were sort of visiting schools or still thinking about visiting schools, what were you looking for? What were the criteria you had in mind that even led your college counselor to suggest Puget Sound?
1: Yeah, Um. so I wanted a smaller school because I get overwhelmed sometimes. Um, and I wanted to be somewhere where people are very open and welcoming, somewhere where I could truly be myself, but also... um like learn a lot from other people as well as from my professors and classes and stuff like that. Um, And also somewhere where I was welcome as a Mexican girl, obviously. Um, So I just felt like the environment here was very welcoming and people were very open and really like took into account who I was as a person and not with all the other things that describe.
0: Did you consider going to college outside the U.S. since you had had a high school experience in the U.S. already or did you know that you wanted to keep your education
1: here? I originally wanted to go back home to Mexico for college, but then um, as I learned more about colleges in the US, I kind of liked the idea of going to college here. And then, um, well, options in Mexico for me were kind of limited because I live in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) So,
0: um, yeah. (laughs) Well, and maybe we can even back up like one click more. I'm curious to know about how you decided to go to boarding school to begin with? What was that process like? Because I work with a lot of students from boarding schools. I work with a lot of students from the East Coast. And I found that a lot of times when a student has gone to boarding school, the experience of choosing where to go to college is a little easier because you've already once gone through the process of looking at schools and moving somewhere and doing something totally new in that way.
1: Yeah. um, So I ended up in um lake Forest academy is the high school i attended um because um i used to go to summer camp in wisconsin minocqua my mom used to go to the summer camp and then she sent us there and so we used to go to chicago a lot so my parents uh got an apartment there which is our second home and so my parents started looking for schools near chicago so the plan was that all of us would eventually move to the u.s but that didn't end up happening so my sister and i just stayed in boarding school um
0: in, um in Lake Forest but. and did you find that because you had been at boarding school it was easier to transition to college oh yeah for sure I think um I was I kind of knew more who I was and like what I liked
1: about living by myself I had an idea of like went to the laundry so I never was stressed about like running out of clothes because I was already doing it by myself and I like um I knew what it felt to be away from home, and I knew how to help other people that were feeling homesick and just trying to figure out how to adapt. So that was a nice
0: advantage. And when you arrived on campus at Puget Sound, you moved in for your first day. Mm -hmm. What were you expecting? Were there things that you really had front of mind, I want this to be a part of my experience? Um, well, I was just expecting, I guess, for the first few weeks, I was expecting to kind of like,
1: have a lot of time to myself and kind of figure out like the vibe and stuff like that. But I was surprised when I got here that people were actually very open to just like getting to know everyone, even if they don't live in the same floor or like seems like they don't have things in common. So I didn't have as much time to myself, but I got to meet some awesome people. But that was a nice surprise. Yeah.
0: And you have been an orientation leader also, am I right? Am I remembering that correctly? Yeah, I was an orientation leader this year. Yes. Yeah. So you have seen two wildly different versions of orientation. One for yourself in person on campus, kind of the traditional and the other virtual COVID orientation. Can you tell me a little bit about what was the same? What did we retain, even though that setting was so different? Yeah, um, I think what was important is that
1: um, there were still talks um, about, like, the Green Dot um, talk and the beer goggles one, which are super important for people that are, like, going
0: into college so they don't go super crazy. Um, For anybody who doesn't know, Green Dot is bystander awareness training. So yeah. everybody in orientation goes through this training about if you see something that seems wrong, how do you as a third party, as a bystander, intervene?
1: Yeah. And the big goggles one is just about alcohol awareness, like saying what's a, um, how much you should drink to like be fine and stuff like that, which is super interesting. And there was still like um, space for all the resources that we have on campus to be introduced to incoming students and space for debriefing about those important talks and we still managed to make it fun. Like my group, we played scribbled iOS from time to time and people really liked it. So we still got to have fun, even though it's online, it was not just um, all like talks about things and stuff. Yeah.
0: Well, and I think that's nice because a big concern I heard from a lot of people, I think an understandable one this year is how will I get connected to the community? I'm not gonna be on campus, there's a pandemic, what will that look like? And I know for a lot of people, it was really reassuring to meet like yourself, to meet an upperclassman who was someone who took the time to get to know them and to spend time socially, even and not just here are the things I have to make sure you understand. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I also, th- uh, I also think that
1: the continuation of orientation into the fall semester also helped with that. So we are still meeting with our groups and it's a time for them to debrief and just ask me questions about like midterms or anything. And it also helps that they see that other freshmen are also struggling with the same things or experiencing the same things because it's kind of hard when you're online to know if you're the only one struggling or if there's like other people in the same situation. So it was kind of nice and reassuring for my orientees, I think.
0: Have you seen the ways that people are engaging change? Like now a couple of months into the semester, are people asking blunter questions or more honest questions? Um, I think my group was pretty honest from the beginning. Um, We're just very open.
1: It actually makes me kind of sad because now my orientees are not showing up. They're all grown up. They're starting to make friends by themselves and going out and exploring, but it's okay.
0: It, um, I was an orientation leader for a long time. And one thing that I noticed is that there was always, it's different in person, but a period, maybe a month or a month and a half into the semester, where many students, not all students, but who had been in my orientation group would stop saying hi to me on campus. Uh And I think a combination of Folks made their own friends. But also I figured out after my first year, I think that sometimes they just assumed that I didn't remember them by that time. Oh, no. (laughs) Like, oh, she's busy. She has a lot to do. She wouldn't. And so I made a real point of like saying hi to people by name after that (laughs) because I wanted them to know I really I invested. I really did care.
1: Yeah. No, my orientees won't get away that easily. When we're back in person,
0: I will say hi to them. I will hunt them down and say hi. (laughs) Sophie, I want to ask you also about um, all of the activities you're involved in on campus. One thing that I've noticed as we've been doing the podcast is that one real um, trend seems to be that so many students I've had on are involved in so many things. So will you give us a rundown of what you do on campus? Yeah. So currently I'm a part of the varsity swim team
1: and the campus VC program, which is the um, I'm a tour guide, so I will help admissions, giving tours to prospective students and answering questions from both parents and students. Um, But throughout my time here, I've also been involved in the trial, uh, the trail (laughs) as a news writer, which is our student run um, newspaper. And I also did varsity crew for um, my freshman year, but then it was too much with swimming and crew. So I decided to not do crew. (laughs) Some compromises must be made. (laughs)
0: Well, and that's actually one thing that I want to talk about some more and want to talk about with you is because one of the trends that's come up on the podcast so much is people who are involved in so many things, I think it sometimes seems like you sign up for all those activities, like twenty things, mm-hmm. at Logjam in your first couple of weeks of school, and then you do them all forever. And it has felt to me like it's very normal for students to sort of add and remove activities as your schedule permits or as your interests shift. Yeah, um, that's
1: actually one of the things I really like about um, University of Town is that there's so many things you can do, but you're also free to try them all and then decide what you like and what you don't like and what you want to stick with. But in the end, you can just, um, like people won't judge you. You can just do whatever you want.
0: And as a swimmer right now, are you able to compete? We're coming up on the season, on the winter. What does it look like is is going to happen? Um, so the NCAA Division III, um has said that we
1: can't compete until January. So as of now, we don't have the meet schedule until January 6th, I think is our first meet. Um, so right now we're just practicing, of course, following social distancing and we limited people in the pool. So just one person per lane, um, sometimes too, but, um, starting on opposing ends of the pool. So that's still six feet apart.
0: Mm -hmm. And as an athlete, did you know you wanted to swim in college? Yeah. Um, that's actually,
1: yeah. Uh, I did want to I'm kind of addicted to swimming I really mm-hmm. like it it helps me be calm But mm-hmm. um during reading period my freshman year I didn't swim because I was kind of stressed about finals and trying to study a lot and I actually like started like crying in front of my friends when we were starting for a calc final I was just like oh, I'm just so stressed and I haven't swum so I knew I wanted to like swim and have like a team that supports me and also because swimming is like my stress relieving i can just like put all my anger into the practice and then be okay
0: (laughs) did you know you wanted to do d3 um yeah so um i'm not good enough for d1 anyways but
1: um i like that d3 you don't get like any special treatment in academics like oh sorry um you have like you're a student first and then an athlete. And in the end, the education I get here is what's going to support me in the future. So I wanted to really focus on that and have swimming be like, like my hobby kind of. So,
0: yeah. And one thing I think is great about D3 is exactly what you said, but you also still get the experience in being competitive. You of still course, have yeah. access to the weight room and the athletic training room and you still have a coach. So you're still getting better. Mm -hmm. And that always felt to me like a nice balance where it, in, in your sport, you, I imagine could also like go to the YMCA and swim for fun and fitness. And that it's sort of one notch above that too, for folks who have been athletes and have that gene and want to keep competing. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, I definitely wanted to keep competing because competing is just like the rush you get from competing is something else. Like I've never, I don't find it anywhere else. So I wanted to continue that. And I really felt like college is really the time where you like can really improve as an athlete and reach the peak of your career. So I I really wanted to
0: explore like how fast I can go. And for you in swimming, do you have a particular stroke or particular event that is your specialty? Yeah. So if you ask the coach, he'll say, I might swim fly, but I do not swim fly.
1: (laughs) I only swim distance freestyle. And that is it. But yeah, so the mile is my main event, but I, I swim the 1,000 and the 500 too. Um, Last season, I kind of enjoyed the 200, but usually I don't like it because it's too long to sprint and too short to pace. It's just awkward.
0: But yeah. And when you swim a mile, what's your sort of target time? How long does it take you? Um, so my best time is a
1: 19 minute and 11 second mile, which is not that bad it could be better though but it's okay um but i wanna my goal is before i graduate to get as close to 18 minutes and 30 seconds as possible so
0: yeah increase uh coach Meyer supports me in this cool thing. well and i do think a lot of people don't realize how much harder a mile in water is than a mile on land like that really is a big it's a big thing to do. Like it's a, it's so much effort.
1: Yeah, it's hard. It's a 66 length. So it's 33 laps. So it's a lot of back and forth staring at a line on the floor. But <laughs> I kind of like it because I cannot, my talent is to move at a decent pace for a long amount of time. I can't really sprint. It's hard, but when you finish, you feel accomplished.
0: And what do you do to prep for something like that do you swim a lot of distance at practice or are you doing particular weightlifting or other types of work on land to be able to do that yeah um so last year we had a new training program where distance had a
1: different um like workout than other groups because we don't we need more muscle than sprinters um to really stay strong throughout the whole race but we also do a lot of uh, pace like fifties, two hundred pace, or like a hundreds, and we also do long swims. So last season, every Thursday we did the same set. Yeah, it was so fun. So it was like, actually, don't remember it very well, but it was like a six hundred for time, and then a four hundred for time, three hundred for time, and down like that. And so we see we saw how each week we were getting faster, and we had different goals for
0: our pace, and yeah. <laughs> And in season, I'm going to ask you about last year's season, so pre-pandemic, kind of in yeah. a normal world. What does a week look like for you when you're in season? Yeah, Um. so
1: a week usually on, well, at the beginning of the season, we don't have morning practices, but when we do start having morning practices on Mondays, I usually wake up at like 4.45, 4.40, because we have... I have swimming at 5.15 and then I have weights from 6.15 to 7. And then um, we have breakfast in the sub as a team. Like all the people that are in that session, there's two sessions in the morning. So the early group, we all go to the sub and have breakfast. And then I go to my classes. Maybe I give some tours if I have a shift. And then in the afternoon, I go back to the pool and have my other practice, which is a two-hour swim practice. And then all the people in that session, we go to the sub and we have dinner together. And sometimes I have lunch with the team, too, if I'm available. Usually they're there at 12 every day. So we have lunch together, too. Um, I usually spend most time studying in Oppenheimer or the front tables of the library. Um, But if I am hungry, I study in upstairs subs because the food is accessible. Um, And then it's pretty much the same for the rest of the week except on Wednesdays and Fridays, we don't have morning practice. So that's great. And then on the weekends, we usually have one or two meets, um, either Friday afternoon and Saturday or Saturday and Sunday. And sometimes we
0: travel. How much time do you estimate that is in a week that you spend swimming or on athletics? Uh,
1: I don't know. It's like four to three hours a day.
0: So that quick maths, ah, like 20. I think that feels pretty typical to me for athletics. When you add up the amount of time that it takes you to get ready to, or to go to see the trainer or to do general fitness, I think that's pretty yeah. on the nose. What's um, here's my most cutting follow-up question. What's your preferred sub breakfast after that morning practice, when you head to the sub, what are you going to get for breakfast?
1: i love this question so much you have no idea so i'm going to tell you a story so on tuesdays is just tuesdays mornings are just the distance group so the only people that swim tuesday mornings are distance but what gets me through that practice is that tuesdays is apple turnover day at the sub so i usually get two apple turnovers and some pieces of bacon and maybe a hash brown if i'm feeling kind of special
0: What do international smuggling, wastewater, literature of the African diaspora, and 20th century Chinese art have to do with each other? I'm Brittany Jackson, Assistant Director of Admission and Multicultural Admission Coordinator. And those are just a few of our amazing faculty's research interests. Find out more and discover new topics all together by browsing our website at pugetsound.edu. Now back to PS, the Puget Sound podcast. Sophie, I also, of course, want to ask you about academics, the other big part of college. You were a double major in computer science and business administration. Yes. How did you pick those two things? Um, yeah, so I knew I wanted to be
1: a business major. Well, I didn't really know when I was applying to college, but then the summer between my senior year of high school and college, I decided I was going to go for it and maybe follow in my dad's footsteps and take over the um, family business. Um, And then um, the family business is a logistics company. So I thought maybe I would explore computer science and see if I liked it or not, and maybe be able to help a little bit with the um, coding part of the business too, just as something different, you know? And then um, I discovered I really liked it. I took 161 with my advisor. Uh, Professor David Chu, and he's really nice. And I was like, I kind of like where this is going. So then I decided to double major
0: in it. And the rest is history. (laughs) (laughs) I'm curious about, as you were sort of starting to think, okay, there's the family business, I think I might want to work in it. What getting a business degree felt like to you? That's one of those fields where I think you visualize sort of business and I will speak for myself, I think of men, right? Like the blue, yeah. suit, white shirt. Was that something where you saw yourself very easily being in that field or where you felt like you had to push your way in a little bit? Um, a little bit of both. And that's what I like about it. It's kind of a challenge, but I can
1: also see myself being successful in the challenge. Um, it is definitely especially in logistics, it's a male dominated industry, but I feel like if I study a lot and I can prove others that I have what it takes to be successful, it will be okay. But I also like the idea of me being a powerful woman in role figure. So yeah.
0: How, what, or excuse me, what have been some of your favorite classes in both of your majors? Um, I think my favorite class in business has been
1: uh, Business 310, which is Principles of Marketing. That class was super fun. The professor, super nice. She bought us donuts every Friday. So that was very cute. And it, I thought marketing was just like studying the product and then seeing what people, like how it can appeal to people. But there's so much more to it that I learned, like how the whole company vision and values apply to the marketing campaigns and stuff like that. So that really opened up my perspective on what business really is for the first time, like how everyone in the company plays a special role into the image they present in their products and stuff like that. So that was very interesting. Is that the class where you have a project with a community partner? Um, no, I think that's a thesis class. That's a senior thesis class, which I am planning on taking. I'm pretty sure that's a strategy
0: business class. I'm not really sure, but I am planning on taking that one um, my senior year. It's. I thought of it just because what you were describing about that marketing class feels to me like what I've heard other business students tell me about their experience in that thesis class of, oh, suddenly I sort of saw how everything went together top to bottom in a business or in a company. Yeah. um, You definitely start discovering pretty early in the um,
1: major. And then as you go, you like go more into the nitty gritty things and your whole world just like explodes and expands. It's very, very fun. I really like it. Um, Yeah. Oh, and my favorite uh, business, haha, no, computer science class. Um, I think it has been... Mm, It's computer science 281, I think. I don't know what it's called anymore. Um, But it's about how the computer actually works. So you get to see a CPU and build circuits about it. Um, And you learn about uh, binary numbers and stuff like that. So it's really like you could you see how everything works and how your code is read by the computer and interpreted and how you write is like the computer can see it and understand it, which I thought was very cool.
0: And what classes or maybe a couple of classes are you really looking forward to taking, either in your majors or totally unrelated?
1: Yeah, um, so I'm planning on taking the connections course about wine. I don't know what it's called. Um, the which- idea of wine. Yeah, that one. I'm planning on taking that my last semester here with my house, with one of my housemates. So I'm really looking forward to that. That's going to be super fun. Um, I'm also looking forward to taking uh, the computer science class on databases because my advisor teaches it. I've only ever had one class with him and he's very cool. And I kind of worked with databases a little bit in the past and I thought they were very interesting. So I'm very excited to really understand what's behind that.
0: And this is maybe a silly question, but from a non-computer science person, when you say databases, what are you referring to? Uh, Yeah, so databases is a place where you store information in
1: tables. So it's how you organize the tables or how you construct the tables in order to um, not only store the information efficiently, but also um, obtaining and editing it and deleting it. Um, So then it takes the least amount of time to do all those things, but also the least amount of space in your computer. I think. I also only have a preliminary knowledge of these, but that's what I think.
0: I imagine it would be really interesting, especially in a field like computer science, where a lot of the vocabulary gets kind of used casually by the public, but maybe in a non-technical way. I imagine it would be really interesting to start studying what those terms mean in the field of computer science. And I was thinking that partly because I use the word database all the time, Mm. but I realized when you were speaking a minute ago that I didn't know what it meant in an actual computer science context. Has that happened to you? Are you stumbling upon words where you're like, oh, I have said or heard this a lot, but it actually means something different to computer scientists or programmers? Yeah.
1: um, So I don't know if this counts as necessarily different, but when people talk about like gigabytes or megabytes and stuff like that for memory, I feel like people just think about capacity. But in um, CS281, which is a class I really enjoyed, um, they actually tell us how many ones and zeros feed into one gigabyte. So I thought that was kind of cool to see, like what it really means in computer for a computer to have that much memory, um, and also like integers. For example, people just think of integers as like whole numbers and stuff like that. But in computer science, it's actually a number, and they have ranges. Um, I can't remember the range right now, but it's very big. And um, decimal numbers are doubles, so that's very interesting to
0: see. What have you especially enjoyed about academics in college? Sort of aside from classes, what stands out as the connecting thread or something that really surprised you or really that looking back on you think, oh, that was really a special thing that I got to do?
1: Yeah, um, I think the fact that I'm majoring in computer science is very special because I had never seen code before or anything like that. And my advisor was very supportive and he was, I went to his office and cried and I was like, I don't think I'm smart enough to be a computer science major. Everyone knows so much more than me and stuff like that. He was like, no, you can do it. You got it. So yeah. So that was very cool. Um, I also didn't expect to be so close to my advisor, like my freshman year. I'm a very emotional person. So I would like send him emails that just say existential crisis in the subject (laughs) And he will like respond with times to me. So that's always good to have that support. And he's always listening to me and supporting me and telling me to calm down, take a breath and then make decisions. So that's very nice.
0: Sophie, we end every episode with the same four questions. Yes. The first question is, where is your favorite place on campus? My favorite, hands down, Oppenheimer Cafe. That place is
1: awesome. It has everything. Lots of natural light to study, um, good music, um, scones, good, chai lattice, amazing. Um, and it has heated floors. So it's ridiculous how amazing that place is. What are you reading right now? Um, Right now I'm reading Swimming to Antarctica by, I'm going to murder her name, Lynn Cox. She's a swimmer and um, she was very good in open water swimming, so I'm reading about her. What's the best place to eat in Tacoma? Um, I really like the fish shack that's on the way to Point Ruston. I don't really know what it's called, but there's this little like white house with a green roof. And every time my parents visit, we go there and they have very good fish and chips and these like Uh, shrimp salad and then you eat looking at the sound and it's all
0: romantic and pretty yeah and lastly why is Puget Sound special? Uh, Like the place or like the university or like
1: university but everything too everything well the whole place I think is special because you get a little bit of everything like if you um, drive three blocks In one direction you have the ocean, if you drive like 20 minutes there's the mountains and like ski and snow, but there's also desert so there's tons of things to enjoy and explore here. And what I really like about the university is that I'm allowed to explore many different subjects while also getting all the information I need to succeed in the fields that I chose. and I also like how welcoming the people are. Everyone's like a little, I like to think of everyone as a little surprise box because whenever I meet someone, they always have something that I've learned from them or they have something that I take to make myself a better person. So I'm always improving myself, both as an
0: athlete, as a student, and a person, which is amazing. Sophie Vasquez, thank you so much for joining me on the Puget Sound podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. This was fun. <laughs> Thanks for listening to P.S. The Puget Sound Podcast. If you're interested in applying to or visiting Puget Sound, you can find out more at pugetsound.edu admission. And of course, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at univ, U-N-I-V, Puget Sound. I'm Elena Becker, and we'll see you next time for P.S. The Puget Sound Podcast.